Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shattered Lives, Reach Ireland's crime podcast for the Irish Daily Mirror and Irish Daily Star. I'm crime and defence editor Michael O'Toole, and joining me today as ever is our crime correspondent Paul Healy. Hello, Paul. Hello, Mick. So um, we, we had a brief pod yesterday in relation to the just to explain, we're, we're still covering the trial of Josef Puske. As you will all know by now, this is day 14 of the trial. He stands accused of the murder of Eisling Murphy at Grand Canal Way in Capincourt, Tullamore, County Offaly, on the 12th of January last year. Now, Mr. Puske is 33 and he has an address at Langally Grove in Mucklet, which is also in County Offaly. And Mr. Puske denies the charge. As I say, we've had 13 days of the trial. Today is day 14. Yesterday, we started direct evidence from Mr. Puska, and I understand today really up, was taken up more with more direct evidence from Mr. Puska and cross-examination. So, Paul, um, how did it start today? Yeah, well, as you say, Mick, uh, Mr. Puska is on the witness stand, and people may recall that that started yesterday. He is the defendant in this case, and he is now giving evidence in his own defence. And basically, we kind of began that yesterday and only got into about a half an hour of that evidence. So we're literally just picking up from where we left off, and that is uh, the defence counsel, Mr. Michael Bowman, questioning uh, the defendant uh, in relation to his movements that day. So where we are now is in relation to his movements in the Tullamore area and the allegation that he was following women in the area. And yes, so Michael Bowman, who is his defender, his his barrister, his, uh, his senior counsel defending him, yeah. raised the issue of a lady called Beata Boroska and whether he had any intention to follow her. Yes, so people might recall that there were two ladies who gave evidence in this trial, and one of them was Miss Baraska. Now, Miss Baraska did not believe that she was being followed and didn't know that a man was behind her, but CCTV images were shown to the court of uh, Mr. Puska on the bike behind her. Um, and, and there was another lady who will come to who gave evidence in relation to her allegation that she believed that Mr. Puska was following her. But in relation to Miss Baraska, Mr. Puska said, I was riding towards Tesco. I did not notice her and I had no intention whatsoever to follow her. I did not follow her. Uh, he was explaining his movements in relation to that because he was asked to. And he said that he went towards the Tesco and he was looking for his brother because he thought his car might be there. He's asked what he was wearing. He said he was wearing a red jacket, black tracksuit with a white stripe. And he was asked, does he generally cycle around Tullamore? Is that something that he does? And he says, I do ride a bike often. On that day, I went out because it was very nice weather and I wanted to exercise. And then I think Mr. Bowman then asked Mr. Puska why he wasn't working at the time. Yeah, uh, we went into a bit of this yesterday, but again, reiterated that he had medical problems. And he said that's why he wasn't working. He had problems with his spine. We heard yesterday that he had a slipped disc and that he was out of work in relation to that. He'd done uh, manual labor previously. So he said he wanted to exercise. He wanted to get back out there and start working again. And so the cycling uh, encompassed part of that exercise that he said that he wanted to, to do, basically. And I think Mr. Bowman also asked him, was he taking painkillers on that day, which is the 12th of January? 
Yeah, he said he was taking painkillers. He said in the morning he took medication twice and then he took another one while he was out on the ride. And then he was asked about the CCTV after that and whether he accepts so those various CCTV clips, as people might recall from the trial, and whether Mr. Puskey accepts that that is him captured on CCTV in Tullamore on the bicycle. And he says, yes, he accepts that that is him. In relation then to his events, uh, to the events uh, at the car park, Sacred Heart School, uh, this is where the other lady, Miss Kelly, uh, Anne-Marie Kelly, gave evidence that she believed Mr. Puska was following her. So Mr. Puska was asked to go through his movements uh, at that particular moment on the day. So he said, well, I do not remember very well because as I went towards Church Hill on that day, I saw her in front of me. I passed her somewhere between the McDonald's and then I kept going towards he mentioned a street here. I didn't get the name of the street. Didn't want to get it wrong. And he said from there, he went towards the car park, which is just at the canal there. And he went towards Digby Bridge. So we've heard Digby Bridge mentioned a number of times in this trial. Uh, it is quite close to the location where Miss Murphy was killed at Captain Kerr there. Yes. Yeah, so if I recall, uh, the, 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 the cyclists who went to Miss Murphy, they were in the approximate area of Digby Bridge. And I think the two uh, Waterways Ireland workers yes. were roughly that area as well. Yes, they were. So Mr. Puska said he went towards Digby Bridge and he said in front of him was parked a, a, a little van, he said. He got off his push bike, he said he lit a cigarette and he was walking towards the bridge when he saw this lady who had met previously at the church road. He said she was with her dog and she passed by him and she kept going towards Digby Bridge. So Mr. Bowman asked him, can you remember when she passed you exactly? Was it before the van or after the van? And he said, I'm not certain, but I believe I passed the parked car. I did not see her at all, but she passed me. He said, once he came to Digby Bridge, he passed it and he noticed builders working on the bridge. He said, I don't know the name of that area because I was there for the first time. That's when I turned around and I went back towards the town because I was quite far away. And I don't think Mr. Bowman then asks Mr. Puska, does he remember meeting any other lady with a dog? Yeah, and he, he said, that he, he yes, I do recall meeting another lady with a dog. It was a different lady. Uh, and then he was picking up basically his account of what he did next. He said he passed Digby Bridge, he kept going. And then once he got far away, he decided it was time to turn around and go back towards the bridge. He passed the bridge again, and he said he went towards the town straight ahead. And he was walking on a concrete pavement. He said at this point in time, he was walking on a concrete pavement. So now we come to uh, the moment in Mr. Puska's evidence, which we did hear for the first time. Uh, and Miss Anne-Marie Lawler, I will come back to this, did say that we are hearing this account from Joseph Puska for the very first time as to what happened, what he says happened next at this particular moment on the 12th of so January. In, es in essence, he says that he, when he was between Digby Bridge and the N52 Bridge, mm. and he was in that area when he was attacked by a man who used a knife on him. Yes, Mr. Puska says that this was the area just by the flyover on the N52 between that and Digby Bridge where he says he was attacked by a man. He said he had no idea why he attacked him. He said he pulled a knife towards me and he attacked me with a knife. So Mr. Bowman just asked, basically to give a description, a better description of where he was. And as I say, it's between that flyover and Digby Bridge where he says he was attacked. He said, I was attacked with the knife. I didn't know the guy. I was on my bike. He started shouting at me and I didn't understand while he was passing me. 
He said, then he pushed me. Straight away, he kicked my bike. That was the time when I fell down. Once I stood up, he pushed me on the floor, he said. He then said, this fella holds the knife and he started threatening me. And, and, and he said that he, he then stabbed him in his stomach. He said he then stabbed him again and he kept shouting at me, but I don't really know what. It was at and, this point then that he said a lady appeared. And he said he didn't know her. Yeah, he said he didn't know this lady. He said she said something to me. And he said that the man that attacked him then started shouting at her. He said the man then stabbed him again. This is the third time that he's saying he was stabbed by this man. And he said that was the moment that his attacker stood up. So he said his attacker had was, was on top of him. He said the attacker stood up and he walked or went towards this woman. And Mr. Puska said he was lying there when he saw this man and this woman disappear into the bushes. He said he didn't know where exactly because he was just trying to stand up. He said he was shouting. Uh, and sorry, he heard shouting and he then stood up. He he said he went about two meters back towards Digby Bridge. And that was the time that he said he saw this man who he said attacked him with that woman in the bushes. He said he started shouting. And what he saw was this man attacking that lady. He said she was attacked. When I shouted at him, the man stood up. I kept going backwards from him. After a few moments, he turned around and he started running towards the bridge, the N52, he said. Mr. Puska then said he went towards the lady who was on the floor and he saw that she was injured. He said, I went around her and behind her so that I could see from the pavement. He said that he was scared that the man who attacked him would come back. He said he reached over the lady. Once he, once he said he, he saw that she was injured, uh, he tried to use a scarf, he said, that was around her uh, to basically stop the bleeding. He said to cover her injuries. And he didn't know how long that had gone on for. So then he said, the next thing that happened after a few moments, a lady, a lady appeared in front of him. And that, that was while he was on the pavement. And she said something to, to me, well, to us. I think that means him yeah. and Miss Murphy. Yeah, yeah, just to stop any confusion, it has been accepted by the court, of course, that the lady on the ground that he's referring to is Ashling Murphy. And the lady now that he says he saw next, it is accepted by the court, is Jenna Stack. So Jenna Stack gave evidence already in the trial that she saw Joseph Puska on top of Ashling Murphy. She believed that Joseph Puska was attacking Miss Murphy and that she told him that she was going to call the guards. And she said that uh, he shouted at her, uh, get away. So now we're hearing Mr. Puska's uh, version of those events. And he said that he saw this lady and that he stood up and he pulled his leg really hard. And he said, I shouted. He said, then the lady started running. He noticed another person who was with that lady on the pavement who also started running. We know that is Eva Marin. Mm. We also heard evidence from her. Mr. Puska said he didn't see them again. And it was at this point, he said, I got really scared. I was in shock. I got really stressed and I left. And he said he jumped from the bushes towards the field. And then he ran towards the town, I think his evidence is. He said he ran oh, towards the town. Tullamore. Yes, of Tullamore. And, okay. and just to give people an idea, at this point in time, Mr. Puska had uh, images and maps in front of him and he had an aerial photograph of the area of, you could see the canal and you can see the bushes around it and you can see the fields and the town in the distance 
and he was pointing to the fields in the far right-hand corner and he was saying that that was the direction in which he went. And he was then describing that he came to, he initially called it a canal. And there was a bit of confusion about the translation here with, through the interpreter as to what he was saying. Um, the word canal was used, then the word ditch was used, and the word uh, drain was also used. But uh, the, the word that was consistently used from then on was ditch. So Mr. Puska said that he got down into this ditch and that he spent a number of hours there. He lost consciousness there, passed out for a number of, a number of hours um, on, until until darkness. From then, Mr. Bowman, I understand, brings him back to the moment Mr. Puska said he saw a lady came and saw him with Miss Murphy. Yes, and he just confirmed, you know, what we already know, that this lady is Jenna Stack, and he's saying that Miss Stack is saying that she shouted at her angrily, Mr. Puska, and Mr. Puska said no. He denies uh, that Miss Stack said to him that she was going to call the police. He said she didn't say that. He said he would have understood her if she had said that. Uh, Mr. Bowman also then asked uh, him in relation to the injuries that he said Miss Murphy had. And Mr. Puska said somewhere around her neck area, maybe two or three injuries, but I'm not sure. And he said there was blood. He was also then asked, did Miss Murphy at any stage touch him? And he said, she touched me. Yes. My hand. Yes. And then Mr. Bowman asked Mr. Puska about him saying he was afraid or worried. And, and then he asked him, how did he leave? Yes, he asked him whether he was afraid or worried. And uh, Mr. Puska had the photo, as I said, in his hands at this stage, and he said that he he was, uh, you know, he had already said that he was stressed, and he said he jumped towards the field. He continued towards the town, and he was pointing to an aerial photo of the canal, um, and he said, uh, I, 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 yeah, sorry, he, he spoke about going to the ditch, and then he mm. said he came to himself once it was dark. Um, so, you know, subsequently he, he told us that uh, he was passed out. She didn't know for how long, but when he got when he woke up, it was dark. And then Mr. Bowman comes back to the, the attacker that Mr. Puska yeah. said attacked him and he asked for more, if you could give more details of that, basically. Yes, he asked him, did he say anything to him? And he said, uh, he was threatening me. He was shouting. I don't know why he was threatening me. Uh, Mr. Bowman asked him, had he ever seen this man before? And he said no. And then he was asked to give a description of his alleged attacker. He said he doesn't know for sure, but he estimated that he was around 1.8 meters tall, that he had a dark navy jacket. And he said, I would say dark trousers. He said that the man had a face covering, a face mask. And Mr. Bowman asked him, did his attacker have like a surgical mask on, like the ones that people wore during COVID times? And Mr. Puska said yes. Then we so went, went back to the ditch. So just, I'm just going to clarify one small thing for maybe people. 1.8 metres is about 5 foot 8, 5 foot 8 and a half, mm-hmm. something like that, yes. just, just so people can know. Yeah, and I'll say Daddy, it now just in case mm-hmm. we don't get to it because uh, there's so much in this, but mm-hmm. Mr. Justice Hunt at the end of this uh, asked for clarification on that man, uh, uh, you know, and whether... Uh, uh, whether how he sounded and what accent he had, and Mr. Puska said that he spoke English. Okay, so then he's talking about how when the time he woke up uh, in the ditch, and he said it was dark when he came to. Yeah, he said it was dark when he came to, and he saw lights. And then there was a bit of a translation issue here, but uh, the word that was accepted was beeping. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that he was referring to police sirens and oh, okay. the lights of a. You know, I mean, it's fair to say that that's what he was speaking about. Um, 
And he said that he was scared and that he went in the other direction. And Mr. Justice Hunt actually uh, interjected here and said, so you went away from the lights? And Mr. Puska said, yes. And the judge asked why. He said, I don't know. I was scared. So he then went up what he described as a steep hill and he came to the top of a bridge and he went towards Tesco. Again, he's pointing to the map here and he's basically showing the direction he went. And he said that he felt quite unwell and that at one stage he was kneeling down and resting because of that. And then, and then he was asked his ultimate direction. Yeah. So, uh, th- yeah, that's the next question. Where, Mr. Is pers- where he ultimately went. <laughs> yeah, he, he ultimately went to the home of Radislav uh, I'm go- Radislav Miros, I'm going to get his name wrong. I, 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 I won't insult the man, but he has given evidence already in this trial and he's a f- family friend uh, of the Puskas. And he's he, the man who calls himself Peter. Yes, he's the man who calls yeah. himself Peter, which is okay. uh, obviously an easier name to say. I'm not trying to insult the man, but just you don't want to say his name wrong. Uh, but he gave evidence. He's a bus driver and he told the court about how Mr. Puska showed up at his door late at night. So uh, Mr. Puska said um, that his son answered the door uh, and he asked for his father, that he then asked, uh, when, when he did come to the door, he asked Mr. Puska what had happened. He told him that he'd been attacked and uh, that he'd been in a fight. And he was looking for a lift home uh, back to Mukla. Um, so he went home uh, and he says uh, from there, he said his male cousin came with his parents. He had no idea what time that was. They stayed for some time in his house uh, before he said that he would like to go back with them to Dublin, to the to his parents' apartment there in Crumlin. And he stayed with his parents. He can't recall everything, but mm. his parents were trying to ask him what had happened and he didn't want to tell them. He said he told them that he needed to lie down and that he was tired. Yeah, so that brings he, us to the next morning. Yeah, in the, the next morning, then as he say, he didn't. Ex- he said he didn't explain to his parents what had happened. He lay down. The next morning, he said that he felt unwell. He went to the toilet, uh, and he had a problem with his stomach, and he started vomiting blood. He said, uh, and that was the time he realized that this must be serious. Until then, he said he hadn't been in severe pain. Um, and he remembers at that stage he was unable to move and he thinks he might have called his father uh, and that an ambulance was then called for him and he was ultimately taken to St. James's Hospital. And that brings us to the hospital and that, it's in the hospital that he made the alleged admission to mm-hmm. the Gardaí. So he, he, he is asked about what happened in the hospital really. Yeah, Mr. Bowman asked him about the hospital and his recollection of that. And he said, the truth is, I cannot recall very well. In the hospital, I had problems. I was in pain. I know that on the first day, there were some male investigators that were talking to me. I cannot recall. I'm not going to lie. And Mr. Bowman just said, well, uh, they're police officers. Yes. And uh, he said, well, I assume so. Uh, And he asked him about those investigators when they met him, specifically on the 13th. And he said before his operation. Um, And then on the following day, the 14th, he said that he was in severe pain. He knows that he was moved somewhere. But on the 14th in particular, he said, I cannot recall a lot of it. I don't know. I had problems, not just that day, but also other days. I don't know exactly. So then Mr. Bowman then raises the evidence by Detective Sergeant Brian Jennings, Sergeant Pamela Nugent and the interpreter, which was all to the effect that they said that Mr. Puskin made admissions in hospital. Yes, and in response to that today, Mr. Puskin said, I didn't remember that. Uh, and Mr. Bowman said, well, okay, you heard that all three of them said that you had killed Miss Murphy. Uh, there was actually a moment, uh, just to, to say how this went in the courtroom, and it's not exactly easy to tweet, but um, 
the interpreter or Mr. Puska, I think, didn't hear that question properly. And Mr. Bowman spoke up and said, they said that you accepted that you had killed Miss Murphy. So he said it at a much louder volume to him. And Mr. Puska said, I heard that, but I cannot agree with that. He then said that they also said that he apologized and that he that he didn't intend to do it. Mr. Puska just said, yes, I heard that. But then uh, Detective Garda, I think it's Fergus Hogan, will remember mm. that uh, he said that uh, he, didn't, he, he made some comments about, about he was worried for his family. He was worried that Ashley mm. Murphy's family might go after his family. But he said he, he remembers that. Yes. Oh, sorry, he's uh, asked if sorry, sorry, he's asked if he remembers that. He, he said he doesn't yeah. remember that day at all. Sorry, he said he, exactly. He doesn't remember that day at all. But he said, from what was mentioned about his concerns about his family, he said he can't recall that. Uh, but he thought there was a possibility that he could have said that. Okay, um, so he, then, go ahead. Sorry, then that brings us to Mr. Bowman talking about him being arrested and taken to Tullamore Garda Station, where he where he was. Interviewed by guard by Gardy, Mr. Puska agrees with that, and then I think we're coming to the end of the direct uh, examination. You have told us you did not harm Mr. Murphy. Mr. Bowman says to Mr. Puska, "Yeah, he said you've told us you did not harm Miss Murphy." And Mr. Puska said, "Yes." And then he said, "And that's the truth." And Mr. Puska said, "Yes, this is the truth." So then that brings us to the cross examination. So just to recap, Michael Bowman represents Mr. Puska. He brought him through his direct evidence. So the lead prosecutor for the state is Anne-Marie Lawler, who's the senior counsel, and she has driven the case. So obviously this is Mr. Puska is a defence witness. So Miss Lawler has the chance to cross-examine him. And, and that's what happens. So um, I think the first thing she said is, she said, this is the first time we're hearing this story. I think that's in reference to being attacked, is it? The, the the whole story. I mean, his account okay. of events. Yeah, uh, she's she's saying this is she she put it to him that this is the first time. Um, she said, "I want to be fair to you, Mr. Puska. This is the first time that we're hearing this story from you today." And he said, "Yes." She said, "You had eighteen months to come up with this story," and he said, "Yes, I agree." She then asked him uh, for his account. Uh, she, sir, she said she asked him about his account that he gave to Gardy on a number of occasions um, and that she basically put it to him that he ultimately lied on a number of occasions. So we'll come to that. Um, in relation to the, the first one at the police station, this is the first one she raised. Uh, and then she also spoke to him about speaking to a police officer from Blanchestown. Uh, so he said he could remember that, that this was in his house, in his parents' house. Um, and Miss Lawler just kind of interjected and she said, look, I want to see, firstly, where we agree and where we disagree. So she said, do you agree with me that you have lied previously about what you were doing on the 12th of January? And Mr. Puska said, I cannot agree with this because I cannot remember. And then Miss Lawler pressed him again. She said, I want to give you another opportunity. Did mm -hmm. you lie to the police in the guard station? Mm -hmm. And he said, I used my right. I had the right to be silent. I was informed about this and I used my right. Now, the judge interjected at this point and said, look, that's not what you're being asked about. When did you speak? Uh, sorry, when did, when did you tell lies? So um, just to explain this, you know, Mr. Put I think things were possibly lost in translation here a little bit in that Mr. Puska was saying, you know, he had the right to be silent and he utilized that opportunity. But Miss uh, 
Lawler was basically saying to him, there are occasions where you gave accounts uh, that she's now saying uh, you clearly lied about. Um, and Mr. Puska said, yes, I lied. Yes. And she said to then, judge. Yes. And then Miss yeah. Lawler said, um, well, then can we agree that you lied to Gardy? And Mr. Puska then said, well, when, when he says he lied, he's not saying that he lied to Gardy in the Garda station until the more he's saying, I lied to the police officers in Blanchardstown. So you may recall uh, that officers from Blanchardstown were dealing with him in relation to the allegation that he'd been stabbed in an incident in Blanchardstown. He's now saying he lied about that. If then Miss understand Miss L- Miss Lola then presses him that does he agree he lied to Gardy in Tullamore Gardy Station? Yes, and he said, I don't know, I did not answer their questions. The judge again interjected and said, please answer the question. And Miss Lawler said, did you lie? And Mr. Puska said, maybe, yes, I can't recall everything. So she said, well, you lied, so you, you did lie then, uh, and and uh, you lied also. She said, you lied when they called to your parents' house, is that correct? And he said, yes. She said, you lied to Guardian St. James's Hospital. He said, I can't recall. Uh, and ultimately, she she gave him a kind of a general question about all those occasions. So you've lied on multiple occasions. And he said, yes, I have lied on some things. So and then, then we had... went to James's hospital. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, so at James's yeah. hospital, she, she said... Um, she, she, you, you may recall that. So there's two interviews with Gardy on the 13th and the 14th, um, and and she was asking him, "Do you recall being in St James's Hospital?" He said, "Yes, I know I was there." Uh, she asked, "Does he recall meeting Gardy on the 13th of January?" He said, "I'm not certain, but maybe it was the 13th. I don't know what time, and I don't know what it was about." Miss um, Lawler then put it to him again, "Do you recall meeting the guards on the 13th?" He said, "Yes, I met them because there was a male investigator in my parents' flat that morning. Also, I know there was another investigator who was in the hospital. That's all I know about the 13th." So then she says, "Do you so? Do you recall in telling Gardy in St James's Hospital you were attacked in Blanchardstown?" Yeah, and he he said that he could not recall the whole conversation. And Miss Lawler then said, "Was that a lie to the Gardy?" And he said, "Yes, it was a lie, and I would like to apologise for this. I have a reason for it." And he was then asked, "Well, what's the reason?" And he said, "I was worried about my family." So Miss Lawler said. And you believed lying about being attacked in Blanchardstown would assist your family? And Mr. Puska said, yes. And the judge interjected here again and said, how would you think it was going to assist your family? What was the logic behind it? And Mr. Puska said, because I was attacked in Tullamore, I didn't want to tell my family because I was worried that my brothers or someone from my family would try to find somebody and that they could get in trouble. And I didn't want to risk this. And Judge Hunt said, oh, OK, I see in response to that. So then Miss Lawler brings them back to the 13th of January in the hospital. We know you lied to Gardy on the 13th of January, she says. And he says, yes. Mm-hmm. He said yes to that. And she then went, you lied. So we know you lied then on the 18th in Tullamore Garda Station. And he said, yes, it could be. But this was not my intention because I thought I will not comment to those questions. And then, then she brings him back to the 14th. Yes, she went to the 14th and she said that you lied to the Guardian here. He said he can't agree with that because I have big problems and don't remember. Now, to remind people, the 14th is when he made this alleged confession. And specifically on this day, he's saying he doesn't remember it. So Miss Laura then said, we have now established you're a person who lies. And Mr. Puska said, in some parts, yes, I do. Uh, 
She said, you hid in a field in a ditch for hours. Is that right? Mr. Puska said, yes, I agree. She said, you fled from Tullamore to Dublin. And Mr. Puska said, I didn't flee. She said, you changed your appearance. And Mr. Puska said, I did not change, but I shaved myself. Yes. And she said, well, your beard didn't just fall off, did it? And he said, no, I shaved it. And she said, what's the reason for that? Was it to avoid detection? And he's, he's, she said, well, let's hear what you're going to tell us. He said, yes, I had scratches on my face, on my head, and I wanted to shave myself so that I could find out where are my scratches. That's all. There was no other reason behind it. But then uh, Miss Lawler says, you confessed to a murder, but actually you were a witness to it. So that seems like a question from her. Yeah, basically she's saying, is that what you're saying? So you confessed to a murder, but you were actually a witness to it. And Mr. Puska said, about confessing to murder, I cannot agree with that because I cannot recall it. What I can say, that interview was conducted on 18th and 19th months ago. So Miss Lawler said, tell us how it is that you told Gardy you knew nothing at all about this murder. And he said, yes, I saw that yesterday in the paperwork. So he was saying he read that and it was an interjection from the judge that, you know, it's either accepted or it isn't. I mean, you've heard it in the courtroom. And he said, well, if basically if I said it, then yes. Uh, sorry, if it's there on the record, then yes, I said it. So Miss Lawler said, basically put it to him. You've repeatedly lied here and here and here. So today you've concocted yet another set of lies to this jury. Is that right? And he said, I've said what I remember from the 12th of January. And she said, I put it to you that you're lying. And he said, everyone has an opinion about this, but I said what I remember. You told us you were going looking for your brother was another question from Miss Lawler. Yeah, so now he's being questioned about the purpose, his reason for going out into Tullamore that day and about meeting his brother. So she kind of uh, got into the, the woods with him in this one and asked him a number of questions about it. So Mr. Puska had said that he was going into Tullamore to meet his brother. He believed his brother had gone to the dentist with his wife and he was trying to find the dentist. And he, he went somewhere near the hospital because he thought the dentist might be in the hospital. And he thought if he wasn't there, then he would be looking for his car, possibly at the shops. So he went up, that's why he went up to the Tesco, he said. Um, Miss Lawler said, I understood you went to look for your brother. She says, uh, from what Mr. Puska said yesterday, she thought that that was his objective. That was his reason for going into Tullamore. And Mr. Puska said, no, no, no. Uh, and he said that, he basically effectively said that he it was a lovely day and he went in for a cycle in Tullamore and that when he got to Charleville Road, he decided then to go and look for his brother because he knew he was in the town. And then Miss Lawler says, was it not the position that Puska, the accused, clearly expected there might be police there? And uh, yeah. Puska says it could be, and Miss Lawler says, because you had left your cycle next to the body of Eisting Murphy. And Puska agrees. Yeah, sorry, we've cycled, uh, gone a bit ahead oh, here. Have we? Sorry, yeah, we have. sorry. Um, sorry, far ahead. Yeah, uh, well, no, it's it just, yeah, it, it basically, ultimately, there was a, a, a lot of chat about the movements uh, of, of why he was looking for his brother. Uh, and effectively, he said that he stopped looking for his brother and he was asked, well, why did you stop looking for your brother? Basically said he couldn't find him and he was asked the purpose of why he was looking for his brother. And he said he wanted his brother to go home and get his phone for him. Uh, uh, but he ultimately made the decision to go and cycle by the canal. And at this stage, he said he'd stopped looking for his brother. Then we got into the uh, Miss Miss Lawler was asking him about his drive back home 
and why he specifically asked his friend in the car to slow down when they came to the house. And in relation to that, he said he asked them to slow down because he thought that the man who had attacked Ashling Murphy might be waiting there for him and he was concerned for his family. He actually told the court uh, subsequent to this then that the man threatened his wife and he said that in response to the judge basically. Um, So he said that he slowed down because he was concerned for his family and then that is when Miss Lawler asked well did you did you slow down because you thought that the police might be there so that right. answers your question got to that okay, point and i just just i think i, I messed up the notes but just remember bringing forward what i have here yeah. uh, about anne-marie kelly about following anne-marie kelly i don't know if that next but miss lawler puts it to puska that he was following women he put it to him that he was following women he denied that um he said that look i mean he was if he was cycling and cycling slowly uh he might have been doing so if he's if he if if someone is in front of him he'll pass them when he's able to pass them uh but he denied uh that he was following anybody and miss lawler and he was it was also put to him about staring at miss lawler uh he said that he didn't stare at her that he might have looked at her uh, he could recall that and he could recall her but he insisted that he did not stare at her so he, I, he says i agree with looking at but not staring at in relation to miss kelly so miss lawler was questioning the accused in relation to that allegation that he thought the man who stabbed him and attacked miss murphy might be coming for you and she said the person you thought might be around your house was the murderer and the person who stabbed you and he said yes and she put it to him then uh that his dna uh that that, he, he was concerned about the bike being near the scene and that the police might be there for him and he said he was uh she said that his dna was also under Miss Murphy's fingernails, and he raised uh, the possibility that Miss Murphy was wearing gloves at the time. I'll come back to that. So now he was asked about what happened in the home. He said he went in and he saw his wife. He told him he told her that he needed a shower. He took a shower, and then family members came along. Miss Lauder said, "This is a pretty significant evening for you. You've been a victim of an attack." by someone who murdered the next person that they came, that came along. You're unconscious in a ditch for maybe four hours. Do you not remember or do you remember who you spoke to in your house that evening? He said he wasn't, uh, he said he was certain, uh, but he was talking, he wasn't certain, sorry, but he was talking to his brothers. Uh, he wasn't certain what they were talking about. She said, yeah, I was in shock. I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And he was asked then what he told his brothers. Yeah, so uh, he says, I know to start with, I said to everybody that I was attacked and that he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, he said he didn't want to talk about it. Um, But he said that he was in a fight with someone and he didn't give any more information. Um, Miss Lawler then challenged him on his memory. She said, have you had memory problems all of your life? And Mr. Puska said, I have feelings that I do have a problem. Very often I forget things, but I did not speak to a doctor about it. Mr. Puska said he had stab injuries and that he didn't want to say anything to his parents at that point in time. He said in Dublin he had his own doctor. He wasn't in serious pain, so he just wanted to speak to this GP. And he said he doesn't remember whether he said that to his parents. So Miss Lauder said, but you told them nothing about what happened at the canal. And he said, no, I don't think so. Uh, he was asked about whether he had a phone with him in hospital. Uh, he, he said his own phone. He, he said no. Um, 
but she said uh, that he had a phone that was seized from him on the 14th. He said that that was a Nokia, possibly his mother's phone. And he was asked about people that he might have contacted. He initially thought that he had no visitors and no contact. And then there was a bit of back and forth as to whether he could recall his solicitor uh, meeting with him in hospital. Um, that his solicitor may have met him. Okay, so let, let's move forward a bit. Miss Lawler asks about what happened to the clothes that he was wearing at the canal. Yes, in relation to the hospital, uh, this was in terms of the questioning about the phone and phone calls that he might have had. Miss Lauder said to him, did he make a request that the clothes that he was wearing on the day Miss Murphy was killed, did he make a request back to the home in Mukla that his clothes be burnt on the 13th or the 14th of January? And Mr. Puska said, it was the time when I was leaving my home in the middle of the night. And Mr. Puska did acknowledge that he asked for the clothes to be burnt. Okay, so then... I think there was a short break and then we're back and Anne-Marie Lawler is still uh, uh, cross-examining Mr. Puska. He said, Mm. you told the jury you don't remember confessing to murdering Isling Murphy, but you do recall part of the conversation where he asked for the safety of his family. And that was in this, on the same, well, I I think he's alleged to have confessed to Detective Mm. Sergeant Jennings and then made the the comments about his family to Detective Garda Hogan, but within Mm. 10 or 15 minutes of each other. And I think that's the point that Ms. Lawler's making. You can remember this, but I can't remember that. Well, she was saying, if you're saying that part of the conversation is a possibility, then the part of the conversation where you confess to murder, is that possible too? And he said, I don't remember. And she said, well, when does your memory come back then, Mr. Posca? He said, I cannot remember a few days from hospital, but I do remember the arrest. And she said, well, so you don't remember any of the days from the hospital? And he said, he remembers officers sitting at the door. He remembers being by himself. And he thought that he had no visitors. That's when we got into the exchange about him having visitors from his solicitor. Mm. He ultimately accepted that he may have had, uh, but he couldn't recall. He wasn't sure or he didn't know that he might have had a meeting with his solicitor on the 15th of January that lasted 70 minutes in the hospital. And he was just asked about that, about his memory. Are you lying about your memory of the events in the hospital? And he said, I'm telling you the truth of what I remember. And it's not my fault if I cannot recall. And then Miss Lawler puts it to him, you have no problems with your memory and you remember making that confession, this confession, Mr. Puska. Yeah, she put it to him that it was her assertion that he could remember making that confession. And he said, I know that I have problems with my memory. I have problems with remembering certain things. This happens quite often. This isn't a lie. He uh, ultimately said he agreed with statements that he lied to investigators in in regards to his state, uh, you know, where his injuries came from. But he said he doesn't remember what was said in the hospital. Now, I think then Miss Lawler brings him back to what he said about he tried to help Aisling Murphy after she had been attacked. Yes, uh, he, he this is coming to the event itself, the alleged mm-hmm. murder and what and the aftermath of it. And Miss uh, 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 the the prosecution counsel, Miss Lawler, Lawler, asked, um, you know, was she still moving? Was she alive? And he said yes. And she said you could tell that she was dying. And Mr. Puska said, yes. Uh, And about helping her, he said, I was trying to help her with what was in my power, but I had no experience, he said, in medical care. Uh, Miss Lawler put it to him uh, that he he then watched Ashling Murphy die. And he said that he stayed for a time before moving on. And Miss Lawler then asks him about Miss Stack's evidence that he shouted at her. 
Yeah, and he denies telling her to get away. Um, he was asked, did you say the word help or anything like that, given someone was dying in front of him? Did you say help, help? And he said there was no time for me to say anything that, that Miss Tack had ran away. He was asked, as I said, did he watch Ashling Murphy die? And he said mm -hmm. he left after a few moments. Uh, and she said, and then you hid in a ditch for a few hours. He said, not that I hid. I had no strength. I couldn't continue. And Miss Lawler then, then was finalising her, her cross-examination. Yes, yeah, so she really puts it to him. She puts the allegation of murder to Mr. Puska. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she said, look, I have certain obligations. And what I'm saying to Mr. Puska here, and I can anticipate the answer, but she said, I'm going to put it to you. Ashling Murphy is the per because he, he said that he was willing to answer uh, any questions that she had and that he had no problem. And she said, well, Ashling Murphy is the person whose problems I'm interested in. And he said, what I know I'm answering. And she said, you weren't trying to help her. And he said, I was. He, she said, there was no other man. And he said, there was. And she said, you stabbed Ashling Murphy 11 times and you sliced her neck. And he said, no, it wasn't me. And, he said, and she said, in a desperate attempt to save herself, she scratched you. And he said, no, she didn't hurt me at all. And then she said, your DNA was under her fingernails when she did that, when she fought for her life. And he said, I remember she had gloves. Yes, I was by her. Yes, there is possibility my DNA was there, but I know she had gloves. It's strange, he said. And then Miss Lawler says, I'm going to put it to you that you've lied consistently in this investigation. And he just said, like I said, in the hospital, yes, he lied. And she said, and you're lying today. And he said, I'm saying to you what I remember. And that was the end of the cross-examination, really, was it? That concluded uh, the cross-examination uh, just shortly before, uh, I think, half two this afternoon. So that concluded uh, the cross-examination and that concluded ultimately Mr. Puska on the witness stand. And we are now at the end of the case, but we were told there is one final witness who wasn't available today, who will give evidence on Monday. And Mr. T Justice Tony Hunt indicated to the jury that following that evidence, he will conclude the case and we will have the final arguments, uh, closing speeches from the prosecution and the defence. And then the jury will be sent out for their deliberations. Okay, great stuff, Paul. So thanks to you and thanks to everybody for listening and, and watching and we'll be back again on Monday. Thanks very much. <laughs>